So to bring up the topic of right effort in this context, one of the path factors, and we see it in context, you have right, right view, understanding there is a discrimination that's essential to make between right view and wrong view. Or you could say fulfilling or noble view, an ignoble view. These aren't kind of you know, judgments, they're assessments, which leads to brightness and strength rather than muddle and confusion and depletion. Because actually muddled confusion and depletion is pretty much um, the norm of the worldly mind. Sad state of affairs. Muddled entertainments and pastimes and crises. Just muddling along. Realising cause and effect results of careful application and the results of careless application. Nothing that we do happens without some kind of application. It's instinctive, compulsive, careful, careless. There's always an application of intention, of blurred, that is, um, cause and effect. You can't get out of it. You can't just go into neutral. Go into neutral, what happens is you tend to go into what's more compulsive, what takes over. There's no way to steer a boat. Just jump into the, you know, into the sea and see what happens. There's a powerful sea, powerful tides, cosmos of the human mind is powerful currents and riptides. And also there's a, a beautiful crossing that can be made carefully. Right view, wrong view. Right view, there is a result. Skillful and unskillful deeds, there is a result of what's given, offered, sacrificed. Mother, father's inheritance, there's connection we're in something, a web. Mm. Right aim, right attitude, right application, applications of mind that are free from violence, brutality, shattering, breaking things up, human discord, antagonism towards oneself or others, internally, externally, domineering mind you see, covers the planet and it covers human environment. Refraining from that, instead, the accommodating, cooperative, flexible, healing, So internally, externally, with oneself and others. 
second right aim, right intent, right place, right output, right place you're starting from, sankapa, right motivation. Hmm? Second is uh, understanding harshness, cruelty, insensitivity, dismissiveness, that which just brushes off, doesn't care for, insensitive, numbed out to others. It's also very common, it's not necessarily abject cruelty, it's just that nothing, nobody else really counts very much. And that uh, indifference, we don't tune in to the heart, the vulnerability, the fragility, the beauty of other people. We don't tune into that, just dismiss number, name, statistic. This is the everyday cruelty of hmm, nobody's really there, just all flat surfaces. And based upon that, then more violent forms of cruelty occur. Instead, we resolve uh, sensitivity, care for others, and self. Third, great resolve, great aim, mm-hmm. relinquishment, not expecting, seeking gratification through sense contact. This isn't going to get you where you need to go. goes as far as the ups and downs, pleasure, displeasure, birth, death. It doesn't get you across the flood. Relinquish that. Tend instead to heart-touching values that will get you across the flood. Patience, kindness, clarity. Mm. These are ideas, these are not express them in ideas, these are actual heart values that you can find yourself when you light up with. You may not feel you have enough. But we all recognise generosity is a heart quality. Mm. Virtue is a heart quality. Goodwill, heart quality is a very simple, normal heart quality that everybody understands. This is what gets you across the breakage and the indifference and the discrimination. Makes you feel whole and complete. These have to be applied. The right effort applies. Mm. Of course, people don't like the sound of effort. You know, the story or the argument is effort's just egotistical striving to get something. You know, something you haven't got, something in the future. Uh, no, no, right efforts to get you out of the sense of the future. Mm. The hankering, dismissiveness, whatever it is, into a, a poised, balanced state. Yeah. It's not It's not a, a kind of a uh, egotistical greed. Just that the mind's going to apply itself all day long, whether you like it or not. It's going to apply to 
get you out of bed, it's going to apply itself to clean your teeth, it's going to apply itself to open the door. These things don't happen by themselves. There's always going to be some kind of application going on. <laughs> right? So why not make all those applications line up? <laughs> Is that so egotistical? <laughs> want to make your life count. So you're going in one direction only rather than just swinging and swaying, all kinds of things you just leave off the agenda altogether. It doesn't mean you're thrashing yourself or, you know, striving, sweating beads. It just means you're applying, understanding, clarity. You could do it carefully or you could do it carelessly. You could do something fully or you could do it half-heartedly. Why do things half-heartedly? Then you're not really there with your life, are you? Do you want to show up or not? Then you do things wholeheartedly. Seems to me pretty sane. So we make an effort to bring ourselves into unity. So as the Buddha recommends, you know, you put aside the worldly winds, put aside the toings and froings, the worldly life, put it aside, craving and dejection over the state of the world, so that your mind isn't just moving around those eddies and currents fantasies, what you could be, what you wish you were, how it's going to be, when this happens, that happens, how it's never going to be, how you can't, you can, you can't, you might, you ought. We will, we won't. (laughs) And it'll be somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But you move anywhere with that kind of mind, that's what you'll be carrying with you kind of if and and it should and maybe and if could be somewhere you're carrying the same wearing the same shoes leave the same print wherever you go bring yourself into unity and this is not a matter of focusing with your mind on some particular point it's about unifying the heart a unification of heart, jittang uh, ekagatang. It doesn't mean focusing on a point in your divi nose, it means bringing yourself into one pointed resolve, bringing your mind together onto what you're doing, whether that's sweeping, washing the bowl, breathing in and out, you know, walking up and down. chanting a mantra. In a way, it doesn't really matter too much what the meditation topic is because it's not the meditation topic, it's the meditator. That's the point. It's not the system, it's the one who's doing it. 
and the one who's doing it is the citta. Right? It's not a person. It's the citta that's doing it. Heart that's doing it. That's the one that counts. So you want to chant Buddha? Fine. If you're doing it with those aims, intentions, resolutions, that's, that's going to give you results of energies unified. Yeah? And if it's you unify around a theme, we get some sense of, yeah, this is accessible. I can reach this. I can feel this. I can be directly with this. It's not just theory. I can directly get this. And hmm? sustain, sustain, sustain. And so the effort is first of all to just lift from the worldly currents, time, should be, could be, ought to be, he's not, she is, lifting from that. Lifting doesn't mean hating, it just means lifting your attention out of that. That takes a little bit of application, the application to relinquish, let go. Viveka, step back. Sometimes just that is enough, you know. Things may just come together just by that. We do it persistently. And the theme of Vayama is a sense of persistence. The energy and what you're doing is applying energy, right? So it's not just applying willpower, although a certain degree of will is established to do that, you're applying energy, right? So it's not just applying, I should, I could, I ought to, I must, I've got to get this done. No, it's just mantras of willpower, which is not very sensitive, but your energy is bringing it up. Lifting out of where it's tangled and muddy and obstructed, where you can find something steady to vitaka, oh, place there, place it there, vichara, explore it, sustain it, stay with it, take it in. Your energy is then unhooked, it opens. That moment when you lift, opening, and then what seems skillful, where there's something steady. It's rather like a bird coming out of a trap. When it comes out of that tangle, hovers, where's the steady ground, where's the branch, where's the tree, where's the log, where I can rest, where's the good wind I can get carried by. Hovers and then there. Okay, pick that up. So just that in itself is salutary to realise you can unhook. And what what does unhook? It's not just the thought. It's the energy that thoughts swim on. Energy of preoccupation. Right? So every thought which are very momentary, really, they're like ripples or like minnows in the flood 
stream of mental preoccupation. The mind is kind of rumbling along, this and that, it could be this and that. You know, the underlying stream, Vajisankara. So you unhook from the topics, still feel that stream, but now it's no longer so tangled up in topics. And then your heart, connected to what the heart finds steadying, rather than what finds mesmerizing, compulsive, stimulating, irritating. What does the heart find steadying, comforting, stabilizing, spacious? What do you need? And your thoughtfulness, thought energy, turns. Okay, linger on that. No difference between thinking and thought energy. Thinking is the words and the topics. Thought energy is the quality of the stream that they're moving in. Right? Whether it's agitated or a certain sense of clear, steady thoughtfulness. Or they go numb. And here, that's thought energy. Vajisankar, the ability to conceive and articulate something. That's that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Heart energy is the quality that which is moved in us. Right? Stirred, disturbed, gladdened, inspired, soothed, opened, freed, crushed. What happens is your careless thinking just drags everything into these topics which the heart gets chewed up by. Despair. Constant urgency. Constant urgency to get on to the next thing. The heart is just overwhelmed by all that. Overwhelmed, it has to get reactive. That's what happens. Start getting reactive, snappy, irritable, careless, dismissive, depressed. Yeah, these kind of negative, afflictive emotions. So, lifting what's useful, what's simple. I'm saying very simply, you know, you always have the possibility of this, this physical form here. You're wedded to. Hmm. You get the whole of it. Sit, stand, walk, recline, the whole of it, the entirety of it. You've got something that's not looking at what it looks like. Which is the feeling that's held steadily. You pick up the picks up the body energy, which is gives you some feedback. Right? It's not a thought. You can feel it like 
getting in touch with this horse that you've been living with. It's warmth and it's breathing and it's steadiness. Yeah. Bringing the two together, not resting or riding on that. It's got something that's not just steady, it's also nourishing, brightening. So you get some feedback. So energy then is held consolidated instead of being scattered, applied, rather than just let do whatever it wants, unified, one theme of preoccupation, rather than the manifold kaleidoscope of mental preoccupations with their dazzling flakes. <laughs> one theme, simple. Can persevere with it. You can consistently return to that. The object can be, I think, is helpful. But it's even more helpful is the fact that your chitta, your heart, your mind, your attention is being held steadily. With it can release its fear, its trembling, grumpiness, irritation. And of course, all the proliferations, what could be, should be, Mm. which there are almost infinite amounts because the world of should be is really a blank check. You can write anything on that. (laughs) So (laughs) you could spend a lifetime with a should be check, (laughs) adding more noughts onto the end of it. Want to do that? Don't think so. No way across, no way to the end of suffering that way. So, consolidate, bring one's energy out of these currents. Persistent. So, we have a Convention called a meditation retreat. We have periods of sitting, standing, walking, periods when you're up to you. Persist. It doesn't mean you've got to, you know, clench your jaw. It does mean you sustain in putting aside, putting aside, putting aside, putting aside, steadying. Simplifying, non-proliferating, and the energy unified. Unifies it. The immediate result, long-term consequence, you begin to notice what are the things where it does get stuck. And uh, Buddha sometimes called it thicket, like a bramble thicket. Brambles and briars. You walk through them, you get hooked. You, know, you get all these kind of hooks on your pull, they hook more. You struggle, they hook more. Yeah. So what is it that gets the hooks out? Well, you have to know where these thickets are. Start and avoid them. Thickets of views and opinions. 
following the pictures and images and ideas of the mind, the, the bramble to the bramble patch. And just trying to find a calm place in a bramble patch, it's not going to happen. Getting angry about it doesn't help. No, it's a steady, calm lift, gently lift out of that. So you pull against it, it doesn't work. Try to push to it, it doesn't work. You've got to stop, relax, lift. And you can use your breathing to do that, to help you lift, because the energy, body energy operates through breathing, and the heart energy and body energy are pretty much in sync. You're breathing in, breathing out, lifting, releasing. There you are. And you can do this with your eyes open, you can do it standing, you can do it sitting. You're breathing all the time. <laughs> there it is, it's a kind of energy um, solvent. It steadies your energy, steadies your heart energy. So you can use it. You have to go to it, persevere. Okay, maybe something so esoteric or you know, special occasions only, when everything's super quiet, just go to it in a regular day. Getting, feeling yourself getting a bit upset and angry, just rising chest, rising chest, rising chest, right, opening throat, end of the inhalation, pausing, allowing the exhalation to complete itself. Spend three seconds doing that, you won't regret it. Don't spend three seconds doing that, you can regret it. (laughs) Because you weren't applying your effort where it should have been, so instead your energy got applied somewhere else to defilement. It's a constant medium energy. It's a constant fact of life. Don't apply it, it gets applied. There's no, there's no neutral place. There's no such thing as no energy. It's there if you're alive. So you don't apply it to this, it's going to get applied to something else. Right? So be responsible. That's what right effort means. It doesn't mean, you know, gritting your teeth, clenching your jaw, sweating and striving to get somewhere else. It just means it's careful custodianship. It comes out of the microcosm of being able to acknowledge, disengage, take that vital half second, you stop the flood, stop pulling, stop pushing, and then lift your attention. Take an in-breath, or allow the in-breath in. Open your eyes, open your face, open your skin. There's opening, and then, hey, it reveals something. It revealed there was the tangle. That's what it felt like. There was the dazzle. There was the glow, the compulsiveness, the urgency, the fascination was right there. Now you're lifting from that. Well, it doesn't look so good from up here. You see it as it is. That's the tangle. Okay, where do you want to land? 
So you constantly take responsibility for where your energy goes, shaping it, steadying it, applying it. So this is, uh, you know, the Buddha says, to do that, then I can apply mindfulness. So this precedes mindfulness. This is a mindful act, you could say. It's actually an act of heedfulness and careful attention. Apamada, mm-hmm. heedfulness, recognizing the potential in every moment to go one way or another, to go into the hooks or go out of them. Slip and slide or straighten. Potential. Then careful attention, lift, what's happening, what's appropriate, what's skillful. Dispelling the pull, then you can apply sati to recollect, to abide in that which you choose to abide in. Breathing in and out, walking up and down, doing what you're doing. When that form body, kaya, embodiment, first satipatthana, embodiment, you feel it directly. You don't feel about something. You don't feel good about something. You feel directly. That's what bodies do. Minds of opinions, preferences, bodies feel agreeable or disagreeable. It's very direct. That's your way in to direct practice. Now when you say body, I'm not necessarily focusing on a part of the anatomy, but the whole nervous sensitivity the bodies have to feeling pressure, to feeling sick, to feeling balanced, to feeling giddy, Mm, feeling compressed, bright, mm, that. So we push away the anatomical confusions around shapes and colours and age and sex, gender and so forth. No, that doesn't really count anymore. This is a body among the bodies. This breathing in and out. This is a body among the bodies. Of all the bodies you want to focus on, male body, female body, old body, young body, fat body, thin body, (laughs) sick body, healthy body. No, focus on this body, this process of life force moving through you. Breathing body, that which does the breathing. Not the air itself, but that energy that is moderating the air, moderating the breathing. Beautiful and very much synchronized to your emotions. This is where it gets into not just the superficial emotions like the flurry of panic when our breath picks up, or but actually much more deep-seated than that, the retained breath from the mind that the emotions suppressed, kind of inability to fully allow a breath to enter, 
controlling mind, insecure mind, can't just relax and open. Let it be urgent, got to make things done mind, can't allow an in-breath, an out-breath to completely fade. Yeah, all kinds of imbalances get established in this vagal system. So we begin to clear out qualities that are not verbal, not rational, they're just sort of leftover emotional impressions that Mm. we feel bad for no reason at all don't feel good and so something very healing about that it can get very uh, intense a lot of stuff going on because it does open up this emotional pool so we do some walking nice easy going nowhere walking walking going nowhere just feeling the ease of the body moving through space Mm. standing standing still feeling the balance Letting the entire weight of the body come down into the floor through the feet, sustaining balance, opening the chest, relax the shoulders. Relax the shoulders, open the chest, standing, settling. Very stabilizing, grounding practice. Now, those are. There's no pressure in that. But naturally, when you come out of pressure, when you're feeling the pressure of the tangle and the inheritance of whatever, anxiety, craving, loneliness, fear, those are pressurizing emotions. You meet those, you experience pressure. The pressure is not coming from your application. Pressure is coming from your vipaka, the inheritance. So our sense is to, what does it take to release that? It's a light opening. And sometimes the pressure is coming from your craving and hankering. What does it take to get out of that? To resist it. To resist the pressure of craving. So it's a fallacy to assume that application of effort is a a pressure. Your mind is a pressure. Your obsessions are a pressure. Those are the things that are applying pressure. Pushing, you resist them. Yeah, you feel pressure. But the pressure is not coming from your practice is coming from the stuff that's pushing you so you have to know how like a skilled um, wrestler or a skilled gymnast or a skilled uh, martial artist you have to know where you need to release and twist and move out of it so it collapses it's got nothing to hold on to
we lift. We lift both in a simple way, I'm talking about a very direct way. Also you lift for the wisdom faculty. This is not self. This is not mine. It keeps painting me into these pictures and images. So it's a sense of this is just something that's coming in, flowing in. Demanding action. Demanding movement. If it was really mine, why couldn't it be settled and comfortable? Why is it always pushing and nagging? Wittering and twittering, flurrying and flustering. Why isn't it just comfortable and settled if it's really where I am? No, it's not. It's something that's trying to push, 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 push. Push you into the riptides. Naturally, we get deluded by that. Feels like this is the real me, real voice of truth. Maybe truth doesn't have a voice. <laughs> Quieter than that. It's a listening, a deep listening. A deep listening. Doesn't demand anything, doesn't want anything. Peaceful. But to come out of that pool, you have to apply your energy and steady energy is not a result some results take time but there's an immediate result is you feel vital you feel alive your energy is consolidated you feel bright so you get an immediate effect ah oh, this is not struggle this is actually coming into harmony is actually being present and it feels bright, alive, vital. This is worthwhile just in its own right. This is worthwhile. So, encouragement to find ways and means to cultivate, uh, understand, and experience right effort. And which supports right mindfulness is based on right view. So it takes some time for direct practice.